So over the past few months, uh, we've been journeying through Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae. And just a bit of a quick recap, the city of Colossae is north of the Mediterranean Sea in Asia Minor, and today it's known as modern Turkey. And at the time of this letter, it was a wealthy city, uh, very involved in the wool trade. And the challenge that was upon this city, especially from the Christian perspective, was that there were several religious influences. So there was Jewish influence and Gnostic and pagan influence and, and of course, a Christian influence. And it's not much different than many influences that we have pressuring us in today's culture. Paul, the Apostle of Jesus Christ, called by God, is the author of this letter. And he sends this letter to the Church of Colossae, the holy people, the saints in Colossae. And it's letter, this letter is sent with the intention of it going beyond this one church and being shared with other churches in other cities. It is, it's expected that this letter would go to Colossae and then to Laodicea and then to Heropolis and then it's believed it went to Ephesus and then now here it's in Exeter. Through the reading of Colossians, we've been reminded of our faithful God who initiates His love, His grace, His promises to His people. And we are called as God's people to respond. To respond in faith and obedience. To respond in faith to our God, to God our Father and Savior and Holy Spirit. And the principle that we get out of today's passage is to respond as partners in ministry sharing God's gospel message. So let's look at rather Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Before we do, let's pray. God Almighty, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be together again as your people. And the privilege, the freedom that we have to read from your word. And we can vocally say it out loud in, in the presence of many people. Because we have the freedom in this country. So bless the reading of the word. Bless the proclamation of the word. Holy Spirit, pour out your wisdom and empowerment and equip us to not only hear the word but to live out the word in our lives in jesus name amen colossians 4 7 through 18 tychicus will tell you all the news about me he's a dear dear brother a faithful minister and fellow servant in the lord and I'm sending him to you to express to, for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. And they will tell ev- you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, send you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions from him, and if he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. And these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings, and he's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea, and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. 
Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So the first, or rather this part of the letter closes off the letter to the church in Colossae. And it's an important part because Paul lists a whole team. Now firstly, the gospel message as we've heard it has reached others. And secondly, ministry is rarely ever solo. Missions and ministry will often involve partnership and teamwork. So as we read this concluding part of the letter, we're again reminded that the closing line, that Paul says that he is the writer of the letter. So Paul's involved. And he's involved in writing this letter through the power, through the work of the Holy Spirit in him. Now we jump back to verse 7. Paul refers to Tychicus, who was to inform people and encourage people. Onesimus was to tell people. And these two were coming from Paul, who was in prison, and they were traveling to Colossae with bearing this letter. They were the actual mission team coming with the good news to the people of Colossae. They were then instructed to share any other news that was necessary. So these first two names were the mission team. Now the next names that are mentioned are the support team. Aristarchus, Mark, Barnabas, Jesus, or Justice. They were all sending greetings. Epaphras was sending greetings and involved in prayer ministry. He was a prayer warrior on behalf of the people so they could stand firm. Remember that during this time there were opposing religions. Luke and Damas sent greetings. Greetings were received and greetings went out to all the brothers and sisters in Colossae. Greetings to Nympha, who was a leader in her house church, likely unmarried or a widow, since this would have given her the status of her house. Archippus was directly involved in ministry in Colossae as well. So there we have it. Paul in prison, missionaries traveling with the letter, and various support workers. God had provided a team of leaders and people to bring the gospel message to Colossae and beyond. And this team is made up of rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, Greek, slave, free, men, women. Our God will use his people. He will use all people. And, those who are lab- and there are those who are laboring in various positions, in various contexts. And the point behind all this is that the gospel message is stretching. It's reaching beyond Paul's prison. The gospel message is reaching beyond the city walls of Colossae. And as it says, Paul, Paul signs this letter off and that he writes it with his own hand. And he mentions that he's still in chains. And he's not mentioning this to say that, oh, well, this is a woe is me sentiment but to encourage others who may have been persecuted as well. Again, Paul's not so much concerned about his freedom. Paul is concerned that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ gets out there. And despite any circumstances, and people become free in Christ. It's so timely that today we send out four adults and twelve youth into missions. And I understand that there's challenges with mission trips. 
And sometimes these mission trips, they're referred to as missional tourism. We need to be careful that we don't go into an area thinking that we have all the answers. We heard that a little bit already through the children's message, that we don't go with having all the answers and and then we're going to fix the problems. And then we come back home having spent our week touring and serving, but we come back home as tourists. When entering into a mission field, we need to go in with humility, with love, with grace. We need to go in with the intention to show the love of God to others, but also that others will show the love, that they'll show Jesus to us. We go in with more of a learning attitude than a teaching attitude. And no doubt God's message will still be proclaimed to all involved. In addition, trips such as youth serve trips or previous Children of the Promise trips or Dominican Republic trips, they all have their purpose. And I think they're good and the relationships are created and people can be encouraged, equipped and empowered. And often people who go on these trips will come back also ready and willing to do mission locally. It's not about that one week. It was a theme two years ago for Serve that reminds us that it's not just the one week, it's also the other 51 weeks that count. The mission of the gospel, the message rather of the gospel, needs to get out everywhere. And Paul is clear about that in the scriptures. And nothing is going to stop the powerful story of Jesus Christ to be shared. So the list of names that Paul shares in this passage encourages the people that the message is spreading. And it also reminds people that the message can be, cannot rather be spread or can be spread by somebody solo, but God's likely going to use a team. He's going to use people partnering with him and with one another. But often our response, and many of us will respond this way, myself included. But I'm not equipped. Or what if I fail at the task? What if I say something kind of stupid? Let's look at one more subgroup in this team of mission partners and support. As mentioned, there was the mission team, those who traveled from Paul to Colossae. There was many names as a support team. There's also a misfit team. Among these names that Paul lists are three incidents that appear to be failure. Mark is mentioned. Mark was deemed by Paul as a deserter. Mark could not be counted on. Paul had suspicions of Mark. In Acts 15, 36-41, Paul and Barnabas had parting words because Barnabas wanted to team up with Mark and Paul didn't want to. And yet here in this letter, Paul has listed Mark as one of his partners. Despite previous incidents and falling outs, God will continue to use his people and partner the unlikely together. Another misfit was Onesimus, who's talked at great length in the book of Philemon. Onesimus was guilty of being a runaway slave, but his life gets turned around and Paul recommends him to his master, Philemon. Again, a mistrusted slave used in missions. 
as a partner. And finally, Damas is mentioned without any commendation in this letter. He, has no, not, he doesn't have any special words from Paul as everyone else does. Paul just says, Damas. 2 Timothy 4 verse 10, we read that Damas deserted Paul for worldly attractions. Paul states that Damas deserted him, but not Christ. Paul may have lost some confidence in Damas, but he's still mentioned in this letter and is still one of the partners in mission. The key to this team of misfits is that God can and will redeem his people. It's not that we're so qualified, but God will qualify the people to be sent out. God's people, we need to repent and turn to God. And God will continue to work through situations and through people and use people for his glory and for the building up of his kingdom. And I think we can learn from that. That God will not waste a failure or a challenge or anybody. God will use me and you for his glory and the growth and upbuilding of his church and his kingdom. Failures will often lead to success. And it's okay for people and even a church to make mistakes or to fail. The important thing is to ask, what's God teaching me in this? And where is he going to use me again? C.S. Lewis, he wrote about failures. He wrote this, quote, No amount of falls will really undo us if we keep up picking ourselves up each time. We shall, of course, be muddy and tattered children by the time we reach home. But the bathrooms are all ready, the towels are out, and the clean clothes in the airing cupboard. The only fatal thing is to lose one's temper and to give up. It's when we notice the dirt that God is most present in us. It's the sign of his presence. End quote. When we get dirty, be sure to continue to look and to seek God's presence. So God is at work in his people. God is at work in his church. God is at work in this community and his world. He's already at work in Sioux City, Iowa, before any of the youth are even starting to go there. God is in, in advance. He's ahead of us. So this passage is about God and how God will use his people and some will be missionaries. Some will be mission support. Others will be prayer warriors. Others will be leaders. Some will be encouragers. Some will be sending greetings. And others will be receiving greetings. But this part of the letter is about how God will use people to further his kingdom here on earth. So how is God using you? And what is your role today in the harvest field? I conclude with this story about a young reporter who once asked Bud Wilkinson, coach of an Oklahoma football team, he asked him this question, Coach, 
How has the game of football contributed to the health and fitness of people in America? And Wilkinson responded to the reporter's shock, it hasn't contributed at all. And the reporter kind of stammered back and asked, well, like, what do you mean it hasn't contributed at all? And Coach Wilkinson said, I define football as 22 men on the field desperately needing rest and 22,000 fans in the stadium desperately needing exercise. God is calling us to be out on the field. Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says the workers are few, the harvest is plenty. Pray to the Lord out of the harvest to send out workers into the field. And even prison couldn't stop Paul. Even prison could not stop the gospel message of Jesus getting out into the world. The gospel of Jesus, the message of the cross, forgiveness of all our sins, salvation in Christ, it's too great a story and too transformational not to get out to others. So Colossians tells us about an awesome God who has rescued us all from all our sins through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we have fallen short, and we will fall short. We may very well be in that list of misfits, but our God continues to love us He continues to extend His amazing grace to us. And He has freed us from all our sins. And that's something to share with others. That is our response to God's initiating His amazing grace to each of us. Acts 4 verse 12 states, Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And together we say, Amen. Let us pray. Lord Almighty, awesome God, gracious and loving God, compassionate God, slow to anger, we thank you that you initiate a relationship with us and that you even work in us through your Spirit to empower us to respond. May we respond in obedience and faithfulness to your word and to your will. Lord, we fall short and we continue to sin, but you continue to reach out to us as your children. We belong to you in life and in death. And we thank you for salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for forgiveness of all our sins. And Lord, we thank you that you continue to use us despite our sins and brokenness. Work in us to grow your kingdom and to be the partners in mission with you. We thank you for your amazing grace in Jesus Christ. And it's only in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.